technology. Hello and welcome to Podnoving, a podcast about podcasts where we delve into all other podcasts that mm -hmm. are in existence. We just put on the website, there's 600,000 podcasts, roughly, out there, and about 2,000 podcasts every week. So our job is to listen to all of those podcasts, every single one of them. All so that's them. what we do. And we do it for you because we want you to hear the best podcasts out there because not all of them get the attention that they deserve. And so we do it by genre. This week, the genre is technology. Okay, but first, we're going to introduce something. It's called Podnobbing News. Podnobbing News. That, that title is not yet firm. So if you have a, an idea <laughs> about a better title for that, please let us know. Feel free to just give me a call. Pod oh, News is email. taken. Yes. Pod, 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 yeah, no pod, pod news. Pod no news pod is news. taken. Pod news is We're going to go with pod knobbing news. Mm -hmm. So that's our new segment. Take it away, Carrie. Thank you, Josh. Hello, hello. Uh, happy Pride Month to everybody. It is June. Uh, and also, by the time you hear this, happy belated Juneteenth. So since this is our first edition of Pod Knobby News, I am actually going to recap the last three months for you because a lot has happened. Today's focus in Podnobby News is big business and podcasts, because that is a thing now. In April of this year, Luminary launched its free and subscription-based app in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. That's right, only those places. The venture-backed network created a bit of a stink with their campaigns. Ad-free and subscription-based were the future of the podcast industry, which is slowly slinking its way into the Netflix model. They pissed off a whole bunch of podcast folks who use ads to support themselves while making podcasts what they are today. Controversy mm. led to the network losing big shows like The Daily, The Joe Rogan Experience, Reply All, and Homecoming. They've all said... No, thank you, sir. To Luminary. Big podcast guys like Joe Rogan thought they were going to be placed behind a paywall. That didn't sit well with them. Luminary did correct this misinformation, stating that shows that are currently free on other platforms will remain free on theirs. Of course, they are loading up the big, big names on the subscription-only app, certainly working to court the desirable paying customer. Despite their bumpy start, they got friends out there, people. The New York Times had two Luminary subscription-only podcasts on their podcast to listen to June edition. John Cameron Mitchell, the co-creator of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, released Anthem Homunculus on Luminary. It's a musical podcast in which he plays a man with a brain tumor who's driven to crowdfund for his survival. Next is Leon Nafok's Fiasco, which also made the list. The journalist and creator of Slow Burn left slate for Luminary. Break up alert. Fiasco explores the Bush versus Gore election of 2000. Spotify announced plans to invest up to $500 million in podcasting. For the low, low price of $200 million, the company has acquired Gimlet Media, Anchor, and Parcast. That's a network known for crime and mystery shows. Are we in this? Are we on this? Are we getting into this? <laughs> We're on Spotify. <laughs> we got okay. that far. Gimlet's founders, Alex Bloomberg and Matt Lieber, said that they didn't just sell for the money, okay? No, okay. Not just for the money. They felt that selling was the best thing for their employees, as things might get real tough 
for independent networks. Ouch. Mm. There's a story. Sounds good for shareholders as well. For Spotify's monthly fee of $9.99 per month, users can listen to ad-free and unlimited music as well. And yet- Only $9.99? $9.99? Guess what? There's another subscription-only network in the oven. It's called Quake Media, and it was founded by Doug Rosenberg, a lawyer and former political fundraiser. Yeah, this isn't going to end anytime (laughs) soon. (laughs) Quake Media is promising a slew of household names on their docket, and they will have no free options. Quake is going to offer their subscription service for, wait for it, $6.99 a month. One dollar less than Luminary. I smell some good old competition uh, in exchange for changing the podcast market like forever. Bye bye, Wild West. Hello, Network Land. Lastly, the Obamas have a production studio. Boom. It's called Higher Ground. The couple will be creating projects for Netflix and Spotify. They're going to have a podcast. The official language so far says that they will develop, produce, and lend their voices to select podcasts, connecting them to listeners around the world on wide-ranging topics. And for how much money? Nine ninety nine, nine ninety nine. Do I hear eight ninety nine? Do you think and, this is good or bad? Ultimately, uh, I you know okay. So historically, big networks eating up little networks is problematic for a lot of people. I, I think some things have changed where maybe it won't be nearly as bad. That used to be a recipe for how interesting, controversial shows didn't make it onto the air. This, you know, was sort of how you you didn't see a whole lot of diversity on television. You didn't see a whole lot of, you know, LGBT on television. That used to be a recipe for that. But having one, you know, having these giant networks, I think it's going to be another medium where being a, a small voice or a lesser known person trying to break into the medium is pretty much going to become impossible. I mean, that's that's sort of like breaking you, into Hollywood now, right? You got to well, know somebody. People don't like people don't like paying for stuff. I mean, I know. I mean, look, Luminary has a free subscription app as well where you can get all of your regular podcasts that you get for free. But I mean, Stitcher has the same thing. Stitcher has Stitcher Premium, yeah. right? Where there's things on there you can only get if you pay. But right, you got to listen to some ads or whatever. Correct. Um and really like when you read about podcast news, more and more people are saying that the day of the ad is dying. Like people are going to want to pay eventually to get rid of ads because they already do that with things like Netflix, Hulu, Prime. This is already something that people are willing oh, to do. That's what I'm saying. This is not going away. There's money oh, no. to be had. Oh, yes. Great. With all 600,000 podcasts, there's going to be all kinds of uh, room for podcasts uh, to be uh, engulfed inside the mouth of the corporate monster. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of the corporate monster, let's go ahead and uh, tie this up with our top charters of the week. So our top charters this week uh, come from Apple Podcasts under all podcasts. Uh, Number one, Man in the Window. This one's from Wondery in the LA Times. This podcast is about the Golden State Killer. You and I talked about this a few podcasts ago. It's, uh, you know, mm. I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Michelle McNamara, Golden State Killer, freaky guy who was just arrested after like, you know, friggin' 30 years of no one knowing who he was. Uh, that's number one. Number two, confronting O.J. Simpson. 25 years after the crimes that ignited the trial of a century, Kim Golden, sister of murder victim Ron Golden, is digging deep into the vicious crime that changed her life. And number three. I still think he's innocent. Shrink Next Door. 
Number three, Shrink Next Door, Wondery and Bloomberg jointly produced this. The Shrink Next Door is the bizarre true story of a successful businessman whose life was taken over by his psychiatrist. Hmm. And that's it for Podnabby News. That's a wrap. Let's talk about what we're doing today. Uh, we're doing the genre technology. Tech, tech. Uh, real quick, um, technology as a genre, I was a little scared of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm not that big of a tech person. I, I can get, I, I mean, I know basics. I, I'm not horrible with electronics and the interwebs. Uh, I understand a lot of things, but once you start getting technical, like I, I, I can't learn code, bro. Like that, that's just not me. So you just gray out. I went with like, kind of like what I like, like about technology and that's mm-hmm. that it scares that shit out of me. Yes. Um, but also has like this, like you know rainbow behind it that's like oh <laughs> things could be great pretty soon it's both of those things it's it's wonder and it's it's just tremendous shuddering horror yeah um so i that's where i found m- my picks um, yes <laughs> i noticed <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we're going to start though today with Carrie's picks uh, yep. you got two correct I do, yeah. Carrie's pick number one for technology. Our recommendation is? African Tech Roundup. A what now? African Tech Roundup. Okay, African okay. Tech Roundup is um, it is an absolutely fantastic podcast. And I, I, I'm, I know they have some listeners in the U.S., but they don't even have enough to show up like on the charts. Most of their listeners are, in fact, in Africa. Uh, so... The thing about this podcast, this is of the four podcasts that we're talking about today. This is the only one that has this really, really simple format. It is simple interviews done. You know, sometimes he'll have a panel of maybe four people talking, but usually they're one-on-one interviews and they're either done in a studio or they're done like out on the field. And so for such a simple format, the thing that I love about this podcast and the thing that I think makes it so special is that the host, Andali Musuku, is, in my opinion, one of the most relatable hosts in a tech show that I have found. It sounds like something I'd like to get into. What are you reading, VJ? VJ, by the way, puts me onto a lot of cool stuff on WhatsApp. Like, uh, I have to thank you publicly because you you put me onto some of the the heat in the streets uh, before I you know I notice it uh, any other place. So it's fantastic. But what are you reading, like full length, as opposed to you know, the stuff that uh, you normally send me, which is articles or really cool sort of in-depth deep dives into stuff. Yeah, well, other than the usual tech stuff, um, something interesting um, that really got me going was the book by Michelle Obama. Did you read that book? Uh, but I'm busy reading it, yeah. but I'm, I'm going through it, and it's it's actually very interesting because it's a powerful work, not just about being a, a black woman in America, but even as a president's wife, even as someone as powerful as that, um, gets freely ridiculed and looked down upon. Yeah. I did not think, when I went looking for a tech podcast, I certainly did not think relatability was something that I was going to find. So uh, African Tech Roundup tracks the progress of Africa's emerging digital tech and innovation industries. Uh, this podcast dispels so many myths 
about Africa. When you hear the name, I know that you're thinking, oh, it's unrelatable and it's going to be about African technology. Oh, it's going to be archaic. I mean, all of these things are just going to fall into the toilet when you listen to this thing. So how would somebody that listens to our podcast, uh, why would they like African Tech Roundup? What I think is so phenomenal about his podcast and really attractive to the regular Joe is he asks, I think a technology podcast based out of Africa, he asks so many poignant questions that lay people would want to ask. He challenges a lot of people about how is this technology going to affect ordinary people? When he interviews people from the U.S. that are building businesses in Africa, he's, he, he asks very antagonistic questions, but he does it somehow while remaining so wonderful and so friendly. I'm telling you, this guy, you're going to fall in love with him. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like there's this binary approach to an, a story like yours, like going mainstream. And usually the, the one in the zero leaves the actual community or the actual domestic population left in the cold either way. So either this doesn't become big enough a thing to make uh, a mainstream impact to the economic well-being of the average Ugandan, the average person in the region you operate, or it becomes this massive thing in roles, rolls in like the international big brands or, you know, or, or intermediaries and literally shut people out of their own resource and, it, and its beneficiation. How do we ensure that your story doesn't become one or the other? Yeah, because he's kind of like the he's always sort of fighting for the the what is normal, like the where the most people are at as far as mm-hmm. what they can afford. Like not not everybody has Wi-Fi in Africa. Not everybody Correct. has big screen TVs like they do in in uh, in the United States. So uh, when people come over to try to put ideas, technology ideas into Africa. Mm-hmm. They don't take that into consideration, and that's why things don't work. Right. So I think a lot of a lot of this, at least the ones that I listened to, were how to make it work, and wh- or why it doesn't work, and what's different about this culture as opposed to where this tech is coming from, for the most part. He had this great interview with this entrepreneur and investor who was a born and raised African man. Uh, his his questions, even to this guy. He really challenged him on the fact that the guy was born into a life of privilege, right? He was born into a very business savvy family that had successful businesses. He was uh, had access to really fantastic schools. And the way that he was able to talk to him about having the type of privilege that he had, but then talking to ordinary Africans about investing, how is he able to really bridge that gap? You, you project a, a refreshing candor around framing the role of privilege in, the, in your sort of origin story. You don't seem to be carrying a complex around acknowledging what contributed to your success and perhaps what might pose as limiting factors to other people who are looking to emulate what you've created with your career and, and, and your life and your investments. It's Andali that makes this show. It really, really is. I know there's a lot of people behind it, but he is so wonderful. I'll be and honest. I'll... I was When I was looking at what I should listen to on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I um, was like, I, I don't. I, by the title of the episodes, I was like, I don't. I don't know what any of this means. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one to pick. Mm-hmm. But everyone that I so I just had to click on some, you know. I mean, because yeah. they have titles like uh, 
interoperability data yeah. ownership and yes. steward ownership featuring yeah. Oliver Sauter. And I'm like, yeah. well, I don't know any of those words. Um, <laughs> so I would, cl- but I start clicking on him and he's very, easy. he's very likable. He's very easy. Yeah. You, you see what side he's on and what he's trying to mm-hmm. get at. Uh, yeah. And I, f- I found, I found him very interesting. All right. Well, this is, well, that's a good start. Um, yeah. African tech roundup. African Highly tech recommend roundup. it. Yeah. You can hear it pretty much everywhere, right? Uh, yeah, and and, the, and then the website is a very detailed website. Definitely yep. check it out: www.africantechroundup.com. Yep. And he's got all the stuff there. They do little mini series type stuff too, and yes. then they have a whole separate thing of just one-on-one interviews. So there's a lot, lot in that website, and I think there's like over a hundred episodes of yeah. just the podcast. Correct. So there's a lot, to, a lot to listen to. Um, and they're very interested in like blockchain technology. So if that's something that you're interested in, you know, Africa, a lot of people who are interested in emerging technologies, a lot of them say Africa is the next big thing. So if that's an interesting topic to you, check it out. And if you want to look for an interview show with a relatable human being, I couldn't recommend this podcast highly enough. Yeah, the different cultures were... Um... Very interesting to me to just because I never really, honestly, I never thought about them. So, um, and not just the African culture, but like, yeah. you know, it's it's a primarily China, United States, and mm-hmm. a little bit of parts of Europe, and that's yeah. it as far as technology goes. So, like where it comes from and where it's growing. Absolutely. And I think so Africa's definitely been left behind for a long time. And they're very well aware of that. And, you know, he talks about the challenge of this concept of pan-Africanism, which for them, you know, they kind of joke like people think Africa is a country. It's like it's 50 countries. So you, you really can't say that you understand a culture that is is countless cultures across 50 countries across a continent. Uh, but also the hard part for me was always hearing again and again in every episode how much they know about us and how well they understand us and our political yes. system and what our people are interested in. They're and we being, have no idea about them. We have no idea about them. And so I, I just, I love this. I'm literally listening to it to relax. So you guys, it's just, it's so relatable. I, I can't recommend it enough. All right. That's uh, Carrie's first pick. First pick. But Carrie also has a second pick. I have a second pick. This is not so relatable. It is juicy and kind of spicy. So my second pick is called Science Friction. Uh, This comes to you from the Australian Broadcasting Company. Your host in the show is Natasha Mitchell. This is not to be confused with Science Friction the game show podcast. <laughs> yeah, totally different. Um, so this is a rather sensational show. It dips a lot into technology gone wrong. It examines the consequences of technology, especially technology driven by money or acclaim instead of long-term benefit to humankind. Uh, they had an amazing episode about CRISPR. If you guys don't know what CRISPR oh, that's is. That's one of the ones I listened to. Yeah, you're going to know pretty damn soon over the next 10 years what CRISPR is. This is a way to genetically modify 
you an entire species. What's interesting about him is that he obviously had conducted a lot of conversations about the ethics of CRISPR, of using CRISPR. I mean, he'd, he'd wrestled with these ideas with Western scientists, philosophers, bioethicists, upon the announcement of the babies being born, the alleged babies. It's like the technology is neither good nor bad. It's... Right. Who uses the technology? Who uses it? Yes, yes, yes. Just like free will, indeed. The talk about implanting edited um, embryos. And likewise in Australia and likewise in the UK and likewise elsewhere around the world. Mm -hmm. But there was a perception that China has a lower bar. Western scientists set up labs in China because they know that they can do, for example, primate experimentation more easily. Right. And there is a division of people that do believe that Dr. He was was made a scapegoat. He wasn't at any point told by the people that he saw as mentors, Dr. Deem. Hmm. It should be noted, I, I want to note um, about, there's something about this because it's a technology-based genre that we're trying to discuss. Not every episode is technology based uh, it's all True. science based so correct some of it uh some of it is like you know about animals and um or about einstein or something you know what i mean so it goes back into a lot of historical stuff sometimes uh, but there are definitely uh definitely podcasts about technology and the uh the, the might of the technology going and what's going to happen going forward so i think the thing is a lot of people don't stay up to date with emerging technologies. And I do think it's unfortunate. I do think this is how we kind of get like sideswiped by things, you know, like the average person doesn't necessarily keep up to date with what's coming next. And there is no, some benefit. It happens so fast too. It, it, it does. And I think it's worth kind of keeping your eye on the ball and having an idea. I would like to think that technology is in some small way, a part of pop culture. Like it, it would be helpful, I think for most of us to have, a little bit of a heads up about the future and what things are going to look like in easily 20 years. Well, I mean, entertainment, if... pop culture, and uh, porn kind of uh, have always been the catalysts for technology. Did you know that porn was the reason that VHS won over beta back in the 80s? No. Yeah. A little tidbit. I... Wait, wait, wait. Why? There was because... the war. There was the VHS war and like Betamax, right? Yeah. Betamax was like a smaller, actually a better version of being able to record video. Right. Better quality. Uh, and it, sh it should have won. But the porn industry decided to go VHS and it drove Betamax pretty much out of existence. Wow. Yeah. Because it was people are like, I'm not going to get both. I'm going to get one or the other. I'm just going to go with this VHS player. I'm going to go with VHS so I can watch porn. Yeah. The power right. of porn. The, the strong arm of porn. <laughs> the, um, yeah. yeah just <laughs> strong arm. Strong arm. Hey, so science friction, one really quick thing. Uh, only available on iTunes and Google Podcast people. So oh. if you don't have one of those, you don't get to They got the, to their website too. Uh, I think it's www.abc.net.au. And then you can find it through there because they have a bunch of other podcasts too. It's like a little network that they have. True, true. You can do it that way, too. And in which case, you can get it on your phone anywhere you've got the Wi-Fi. All right. So my two picks, African Tech Roundup, Science Friction. We should probably take right, a break. Let's take a break first. <laughs> I, get, I get a pee. All right. We're going to take a break. and we're going to come back with uh, my picks. Josh's picks.
Okay, we're back. Are you back? We're back. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. You got picks. Oh, right. I wanted to get to my picks. Pick, pick, I got picks. two picks. Two picks. Uh, let's see. What should I do first? I want to do... I want to do... My first pick is going to be... Should this exist? Excellent. Question mark. Mm-hmm. It's just a punctuation question mark. It's, mm-hmm. it, so, mm-hmm. should this exist? Should this exist? Should this exist? That's mm-hmm. probably better. You did it better. Oh, Great. Okay. Should This Exist is a podcast uh, with host Katerina Fake. Mm-hmm. Katerina is best known. She's definitely known in your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a um, founder, co-founder of Flickr. Uh, she also did something else. I can't remember. But she's like this big like angel investor mm-hmm. that uh, gives a lot of money to a lot of different startup companies. And, yep. Um, We'll talk about that in a second, um, but Big basically the the, the, po- the the podcast is they take a topic about an existing technology. This is something that's that's there. It's happening. Um, and she puts the question whether or not it should exist or not, because like I said before, technology is neither good nor bad, but it's mm. about the people that use it and how they use it whether or not they're good or bad. So um, they've got, she's got a, like a list. There's only, I think about maybe 10 episodes or so that's out right now. It's pretty new. Yeah. It's pretty Um, new. She gives the, the hope and the terror. I, for one, am mostly terrified, but I got a little bit of hope. (laughs) Um, The first episode that I listened to, I just listened to, I started at the beginning and the first one is about, uh, it's a, it's called Halo, uh, not the game, but it's like a headset, and it's got like like little tiny little spiky things on the top of the headset that sort of like go into your head, and I don't know what it does, but it like okay. it like puts out some sort of science signals, you know, just like beams them into your brain. Daniel Chow, the co-founder of Halo Neuroscience, his headset that helps you learn like a kid again costs a few hundred dollars. You want one? Easy. It's for sale online, and any adult can buy it. When I first heard about Daniel's technology, I got extremely excited about the possibilities of becoming better and smarter and mastering all of the languages and musical instruments I had ever wanted to learn. But then I started to wonder, if everyone around me were using this device, would it just become a race to the top? Would all of us be on an endless success treadmill trying to outdo one another? My bullshit omometer went off a lot during this pod for during these podcast episodes. Really? But that's yeah, because well, I'm just my it's it's very sensitive meter. Your bullshit meter. I have that okay, yeah. It's like whoop that, no bullshit. I'm out of here. God. But um, I can't deny that I was intrigued um, mm-hmm. about the possibilities um, of like putting this on while I'm trying to like write a song or, you know, I'm practicing, uh, you know, chord, you know, just different things musically. Um, you know, if, yeah. if it's true, what that, I mean, basically you're like a little superhuman, yeah. you know, ult- ultimately, and there's a lot of these episodes are like that. Um, Sciencing your it, way to greatness. Yeah. Um, Wobot, that's another uh, one that I listened to. Uh, hmm. That is the virtual AI therapist. Oh, so basically, yes. there's, you just go in and yep. you could talk to a uh, talk to a robot. It'll make you feel better. 
This is just something like if you're feeling whatever, you can actually just type in and it'll mm-hmm. it'll respond back to you with, uh, you know, based on, uh, you know, robot brain stuff, calculations and such and what it's supposed to respond to. Uh, I don't know how great it is, but mm-hmm. it's there and it's only going to get crazier. It's only going to get better. Um, it's only going to get more intrusive, you might say. Um, and it's super cheap and f- free, I think. Mm-hmm. So what's that going to do for regular therapists? You know, uh, what's, you know, and that's what these, this podcast does is it makes you question what is going to happen, not just now, but 10, 20 years from now, where's right. this technology going to grow? Uh, and it can be scary. How, how can it be used for evil? How can it be used for good? Um, yeah. And that's they- sort of why I, I like this podcast. Yeah, I listened to the CRISP. They also had a CRISPR episode, of course, because CRISPR is a big thing. Um, And this particular episode, their CRISPR episode, I really enjoyed the scientist they were speaking to because he pointed out two things. In the process of looking at using CRISPR to modify entire species out in the wild, one, he discovered the benefit of the regular people and the locals. A woman came up and she said, you know, I don't have a PhD, but I was wondering if you're making the mice tick resistant so the ticks fall off in the year when you release them, doesn't that mean that a bunch of these ticks that would have bitten mice are going to try, fall off, and then would they try to bite a human? Is that going to increase the risk of human infection? And I said, you know, we never thought of that. And the answer is, the actual answer seems to be no. It wouldn't, and the reason is there's still just as many wild mice that are good hosts for ticks as there were before. But here's an example of something that we had never considered and might not have considered had not someone else brought it up. The second thing he said, and I wrote this one down because I really enjoyed it, uh, basically goes back to what you've been saying this entire time. He referred to himself as a techno-optimist and a social pessimist. <laughs> so he basically said that, yeah, yeah. The, the problem isn't the technology. The real problem is what are people going to do with it? And and how are we going to like end up probably destroying ourselves or our whole yeah, ecosystem? Well, in Science Friction, the CRISPR episode is more, more about the, uh, the babies. gene editing babies, like the human babies. babies and like yes. the outrage that happened after that happened. But you know it's inevitable, especially when you can like cure diseases and... Also, she pointed out that there were emails after emails from people in the U.S. that were well aware of what he was doing and encouraging oh, yeah. his work. Like all his, uh, the people he looked up to in yep. the field. And they all denied that they knew anything yep. about it. And then as soon as everybody was like, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. They were like, wait, wait, I don't know nothing. We don't know this guy. <laughs> He's just that guy. <laughs> Never saw him before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I li- What other episodes did you listen to or is that the only one? Lab Meat. Oh, God. Lab Did meat. you listen, listen to Lab to Meat? Yep. <laughs> I really found that episode completely fascinating. I thought the woman who is like running this whole Lab Meat movement, I forgot her name, but I found her really, she's just so fair minded. Like she was open to other possibilities, but she basically just said, look, if we're going to keep going forward at factory farming levels, we better have other options. And I don't disagree with her there. I mean, the lab meat thing is kind of gross. They still need fetal bovine serum. So it's like you still got to kill a cow, abort a cow baby. That's a fun three word. What is it? 
fetal bovine serum. FBS. Yeah, that's when they ab- abort the fetus of a cow. So they still have to right. kill a cow. They right still now. have to kill a cow. They have to abort the fetus. But then the fetus, the cells from the fetus create multiple scaffoldings. But but the, the interesting thing that she said at the end of that episode, I mean, not near. Well, I don't know if it was the end. But the interesting thing she said was that if every American decided, okay, I'm just going to eat, you know, steak once a, a week and it's going to be pasture raised only. I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to support factory farming anymore. I'm just going to reduce my meat consumption. She said that basically most of this stuff wouldn't be necessary. And she also yeah. said that. Plus with the rise of uh, like plant-based. You yeah. Know, impossible burgers and things like that. That uh, Hopefully she... that'll actually reduce some of that too. Oh, yeah. No, Impossible Burgers are freakishly delicious. Um, But she basically said, like, factory farming is our only real problem. It's the only type of farming that's creating an environmental hazard. It's using up all the water. It's using up all the corn. She was just like, if we could just go to pasture only and do it the old-timey natural way where the soil gets the benefit and where we we reduce what we're eating. Yeah. I mean, Chicago alone. Jesus. I know. Right. I've eaten, like, three cows this week. Up, dude. <laughs> it's just how I was raised. I can't help it. You know, my partner Give me a actually. Cow with cheese. <laughs> my partner actually, he watched a documentary about you know factory farming and how it's you know totally going through all the water and all the feed and so on and so forth. And so his new thing, he only eats meat on the weekends. So he has like he's still eating like two like basically like the equivalent of two steaks a week. But he eats vegetarian Monday through Friday. And that was his way of, like, he's not a vegetarian for moral purposes. He's just trying to do what he feels like is healthy, environmentally sound consumption. Yes, but you guys are healthy people. And that's the difference. <laughs> yeah, but with do things you think, like... Do you think meat would... Uh, okay, so you don't really eat meat. But I eat fish. Would, yeah, that's not meat. But you don't eat meat just because you don't like it? Or is uh, there a... Is there like a moral thing behind it? So it started uh, when I was in um, eighth grade. I I saw a slaughtered rabbit, and I I I and really struggled. Your family made you eat it. No, I just oh. I once I saw and could once I put it together. I put it together. I was like, this is what meat is. Like something has to be slaughtered and it has to die. And I became a complete vegetarian from that moment on until I was 28, 28 or 29. And then I added fish back in like once a week for okay. health purposes. So you just think it's gross, basically. I was super grossed out. I've never, you know, people kind of always make fun of vegetarianism and the moral high ground of vegetarianism. And I have to be honest, I, I, they I have don't. It. I don't really have any other vegetarian friends. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I don't have many. I've never, ever dated another vegetarian. So I don't look at it so much as a moral high ground. I look at it as I couldn't make peace with where that food was coming from. And if I can't make peace with it, then I cannot support cognitive dissonance I would need to eat it. So if it was lab grown, with if they got to the point in the technology where they don't need the bovine... The bovine serum? Serum... I would consider it. I would consider it. If they didn't it. have it, and all of a sudden you can have a burger that tastes like a burger, you might eat that burger. I might, but I really like Impossible Burgers, so I would probably be like, nah. I mean, the the the, the lab meat is going to be so, is always, I think, going to be more expensive. It's going to be ages before it's less expensive. 
But, yeah, but bacon, bacon is good. Pork chops is good. I haven't had bacon, and I mean, God, I don't remember bacon, man. I, I don't remember it. I don't remember real ice cream. I can't freaking have get that bacon, You can get bacon though, possibly from a, like a petri dish at some point. Right? Yeah, totally. And you could, you might taste it and then change your whole damn world. I mean, honestly, you know, if if I lived in a cabin in the woods with my partner, and if he went out and hunted like mm-hmm. an elk, you got a wild boar. A month, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. if we were actually living off the land like that, I think I could maybe make peace with it, but I would probably hate myself for not being the person who could actually pull yeah. the trigger. Yeah, see, I don't care. Just <laughs> put, it, put it on my plate and I'm going to eat it. <laughs> the bloodier, the better. Oh, my God. I just can't. I can't. I can't. A lot of people feel that way. Anyway, I just this, I can't. This is why I love this podcast, though, because yeah, it good. does it does make you think about these things. It does make you think about what if, what's going to happen, what's to mm. come yeah. uh, on a lot of a lot of different if, uh, a lot of different issues. So uh, this right. was definitely my my pick. Um, I did read a, a bunch of comments about how people didn't like the production of it. Oh, um, geez. I I was fine with it. Um, What's wrong it, with it the production of it? He said it was too much, like too too much production, too many sound effects, too much oh music. I, I didn't have that issue at all. I thought it was well produced. I thought it was uh, professional. And uh, the other thing that I read that uh, some people didn't like was that it was it was basically um, like a like a big commercial. Now that oh, the, one, their sponsor. Well, no, not just that. Not just their sponsor, which they have in oh. every episode. I forgot what the name of that was, but Accenture, just in, in itself, right? Like, and the reason that mm. I kind of my eyebrow kind of went up when I saw that mm. was because of the effect that that first episode had on me about the mm. Halo headset, because ah. they're talking about this Halo headset. There wasn't a whole lot of negative stuff, right, uh, about the Halo headset, uh, other than like maybe you know children would use it or something, and it's not good for developing brains and. Uh, or, or it's just bullshit um right uh, it's, it's pseudoscience and not science science but right. i sure as hell went and looked up how much it would cost and was you know uh, you know my hand was pretty damn close to the, hitting that button <laughs> really you uh, almost made like a... i almost did it but i had uh, i was like i'm not gonna do it i'm just gonna i'm gonna wait a little bit and see if this wears off and it did what? It, it it's only a thousand dollars to make my brain better <laughs> Bye. Way cheaper than that, actually. Bye, bye, uh, bye. Surprisingly cheap, right? Really? Uh, it was huh. like it was it was in line with like you know top of the line headphones, like you know in the four hundred dollar really? kind of range. Yeah. Wow. Um, but so then when somebody was like, "Oh, it's just a big commercial," I was like, "Oh no, did I fall into this trap?" <laughs> but I I don't think so. The more episodes I listened to, the more yeah. I really did hear the negatives um, that were coming yeah. in and the the guests that she had and the people talking yes. about it. Yeah. Like in that meat one, they had the butcher guys come in. And they were like, yeah. "This is awful." Yeah. Um, right. So so I don't I don't think any of the complaints are valid, and I think yeah. this is an extraordinary technology podcast that needs to happen because we need to know whether something should exist or not so and this podcast is readily available too. like if you consider yourself someone who can't follow technology podcasts you will in no way whatsoever struggle with this it's it's made for everybody so yeah it's right i'm the Mm -hmm. schmo and it's made just for me so all right next one next my next pick yeah is it we go deep and dark into the dark net Mm -hmm. um my second pick is called the uh, Darknet Diaries 
podcast. And uh, this podcast is hosted by, um, what's his name? Jack, Jack, uh, what is his name? Jack, Re, Re, Jack Resider. That's what it is. Mm. Um, and Jack is a, like a veteran uh, in the security world, like internet security world. So he knows his shit. Um, he worked in something called the Security Operations Center. Uh, huh. And that's where they, like a place where they like, detect threats and and stop threats uh, uh internet threats uh so this this po- this podcast is basically covers like true absolutely true stories um of just crazy shit that happened on the internet stuff about mm-hmm. like hackers and malware and breaches and all privacy concerns um every episode is different and it covers a different story based on one of those things and it 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 listens like a uh, like a true crime podcast almost uh, mm-hmm. in the way that it sounds like it, you get super into these and you're like, what? Because these yeah. stories, like, I don't know why, but like, I don't know any of these stories. And I feel like we should, we should know these stories because they're big things uh, that have happened. The, uh, you know, big uh, viruses or um, hacks that have happened to major companies that affect all of us, like our privacy and all of our name and numbers and bank accounts and email addresses and everything like all these things that you hear slightly you hear little news uh little news things that you know four hundred thousand people got their information hacked from you know name your website and people and then it just sort of goes away like it just sort of dies out and mm-hmm. they sh- it shouldn't um these stories should be out there and i can't find them anywhere uh, and I could definitely not find them anywhere that does it as good as Darknet Diaries. So that's my yeah. that's my second pick. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to any? I listened to one. Uh, unfortunately, you did give me this a little late, so I'm sorry. But <laughs> I listened to one. I listened to the phone hacking episode where he talked about like the nudie pics and the revenge porn site. And let's talk about your smartphone. How much does it know about you? It knows when you're sleeping, because you put it down next to your bed and the room is quiet and dark for eight hours. It knows all the things you say on Twitter, your email conversations, your Facebook messages. And it knows what games you like to play. But the most personal thing I think it knows about you is what you look like naked. Cosmo magazine conducted a survey on 850 millennial women, and 89% of them said they took nude selfies. Now, if 9 out of 10 women are taking naked photos of themselves, this could be a problem. So I was actually very familiar with a lot of those stories uh, about the guy that started the revenge porn site, about the fact that he was then sued, that he, you know, cried in court when his victims gave testimony, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but you're really into revenge porn, though. Oh, that's so me. So you may know these stories, but I don't know if everybody, (laughs) all the schmoes. And then definitely he covers in that the Jennifer Lawrence phone hack. And I do recall that. It's a, it's really engaging. I mean, this podcast is mostly, it's just him reading like a, like a script. He's actually a very engaging narrator. It's interesting that you told me his history. I'm glad you did because he knows his shit. So he's a really educated guy in terms of what he's talking about. It does. I mean, this podcast, look, it's called Darknet Diaries. So it certainly focuses on kind of like the shittiest things people do. There's not a lot of hope for humanity in this one. It's mostly like 
people suck um, and they're using technology to suck. So there's that aspect of it, which of course is, is definitely a part of real life and something we should be well aware of. Uh, but you know, I mean, there's, there's no like silver lining there. A lot of trucks and they were all full of shit. All of them. Do I even have to explain the mistakes made here? I listened to the first 10 episodes or so. Yeah. And there was definitely interview. Oh, there are interviews there in ones, there. Okay. Yeah, there, there was one, it was called the Beirut Bank Job, um, and he interviewed this guy whose job it was, was basically to go in and, like, he would get hi- hired by, like, the head of, name a bank, you know what I mean, like, Chase or HS, right, right. whatever. Wells Fargo, blah, um, blah, blah, yeah. Right, and he would go in <clears throat> to different uh, banks and basically just try to hack them with his personality. Mm-hmm. And able to, and he was able to do it over and over and over again to the point, and that's how he made his money. So, like that interest that uh, uh, that interview was super interesting. And then there was like a, I remember a two parter that I listened to. I think it was called Man Manfred, um, and it was about a guy who hacks video games, and it actually turned out to be super interesting. Huh. Um, he just started all like the you know World of Warcraft type games, all those kind mm-hmm. of. Um, online video games uh mm-hmm. he would just go in and hack them and then he would like make money off of this like he would like hack the system so he'd get all this shit for free that he shouldn't have gotten and then go onto ebay and like sell the extra equipment that he got or the badass sword or his cloak of you know desire or whatever it is <laughs> And, like, he would make a lot of money off of this, and he did it for years. I don't think huh. eBay doesn't do it anymore. Like, they, they stopped selling virtual uh, equipment or anything for gaming. But, right. Um, but he did it, and uh, the, he basically told everybody how to do it. It was pretty interesting. Uh, so the, the, it, it is scripted, but um, it, it's also loose like that. Uh, the production value, I think, is really, really good. I agree. Um, it's all it's very subtle, um, and it works for the the, the mood of this podcast uh, and how he brings it out. So, Jack Resider and Darknet Diaries, uh, Darknet Diaries available yep. everywhere. So you could see the difference. Like, see, I'm all about the. Uh, I don't know the drama. I like the drama, and even in technology podcasts, you can find that drama. Juicy with, stories. Should this man. exist or Darknet Diaries? Juicy stories. And it's all true. It's all true. Yeah, Darknet Diaries. Should this exist? And then also science friction. They're all very juicy. Similar. All right. So those are our wrecks, man. Our technology wrecks. So much for being afraid of technology. You and I both went into this going like, what will we possibly find? And we actually have the full docket. We have four. You know, now that we've been doing this for a while, I feel like every genre is going to have, we're going to find stuff that we like in every genre, no matter what it is. There's just so many podcasts out there. So uh, if you have a podcast that uh, you want to recommend to us, definitely do that uh, we got a new website it's a www.podnobbing.com easy enough uh, you can either email us at uh, podnobbing at gmail.com or mm-hmm. uh, on the all the social mediums that you mediums. have instagram facebook and uh, what's that other one that i don't twitter, use twitter, twitter or whatever yes. yeah whatever. Podnobbing really at all twitter. of those things so yeah. 
Um, it's there. We're there. We have a Twitter presence. Technically. I just, I, I don't know how to do it. Maybe yeah. I should have listened to that technology tweet. podcast about how to, <laughs> how to tweet correctly. How to tweet effectively. Tweet better. Yeah. And also, you guys, if you've already gotten a podcast recommendation from us that you are so very thankful for, whether you've heard it on the podcast or whether you got it from our website, please tell a friend. Yeah, tell don't one thank friend. us personally. We could care less. Yeah. But tell a friend. <laughs> You Tell a friend think. where you heard it and I how care. you heard it. And uh, if you have a chance, if you're an iTuneser, is that a thing? If you listen to us on iTunes and you want to go oh, ahead reviews. and review us or give us a rating of four plus stars, uh, we yes, would also. That's the love only that. way we're going to sell out is if we get yes. iTunes reviews. And yeah. Then we can, we can join that uh, podcast network that pays out millions of dollars. Yes. The elites. How to be among mm-hmm. the elites. Okay. So uh, it is time for the the lightning round. It's Are you ready? Good. That's good. It's a good sound effect. That was pretty good, right? Okay. Yeah, I was scared. I mean, it was a stormy evening for a second there. Yeah. What are you watching? I'm watching a lot right now. Um, okay. There's there's no doubt about it, but it's all stuff I've either talked about, but I wanted to, I, we had talked briefly in episode way back in episode one, mm-hmm. comedy. Uh, we yeah. discussed very briefly because uh, Jack, uh, I'm sorry, Zach Reno uh, had a little part in AP bio. Um, I just mentioned it. I don't even know if that made it to the podcast, but we had mentioned AP bio. It's a, comedy series i think it's nbc maybe mm-hmm. um but it's with uh what's his face from uh, always sunny in philadelphia oh oh the brother the brother of the bird lady yes right? that's yeah. sure yes brother of the bird lady mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this show <laughs> has been canceled as far as i know ap uh, bio but, yes but okay. i just i just finished this show and I am really mad that it is getting canceled. Uh, I, you know, there's certain sitcoms that they just come and go and who cares. Uh, and then there's sitcoms that I absolutely love. And I really felt like AP bio was just starting to hit their stride. Like all the little side characters got to be hilarious and all the kids are great and the main characters are great. And it just got the rug pulled out from under them. And so I would like everybody to go to uh, Hulu or go to their, dvrs or whatever and watch them all and maybe maybe uh, a miracle will happen and they'll get picked up by uh, uh hulu or netflix or something and yeah a big and, enough cult we'll following get, we'll get can more. do that yeah, yeah although i did hear true. after that got canceled that mm-hmm. they're doing more always sunny in philadelphia episodes so oh but he could do both he, he could true. do both he gets split into two. So AP Bio, that's what, that's what I'm watching, what I just finished. So what are you watching? I uh, am watching, unfortunately, I'm watching what everybody's watching. I'm sorry. I watched Amazon's Good Omens, and what? it was thoroughly I, enjoyable. I don't know what that is. <laughs> what do you mean everybody's watching it? So everyone, well, I mean, I guess everyone. Amazon's in, like the fourth biggest streaming service. It's not, so what are you saying? Watching. That I'm wrong? I'm wrong. I'm I'm saying you're wrong. Okay, fine. Jesus. What is it? Okay. Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett wrote the book, and then Amazon has turned it into a miniseries. It stars Michael Sheen and David Tennant. It also has John. Michael Sheen, I know. Uh, It also has John Hamm, who's hilarious in it. He's so funny. Uh, Yeah. Comedian John Hamm. uh, So he, this show, 
the story, I should say, is about an angel and a demon who have basically oh, commercial for this. been friends since the beginning of time, according to the creationist theory, which would be Adam and Eve. And it basically shows sure. their friendship from so it's that a true time. Story. <laughs> it's basically, it basically shows their friendship from huh, through the ages until modern times. Sorry, until modern times, when um, the Antichrist is born and the end of the world is meant to come, and it's how the two work together through this pickle. Called the I mean, Antichrist. The cast is fantastic, so it's got the cast be good. is fantastic. It's really enjoyable. Uh, the, their friendship is basically the reason to watch it. You know, the friendship between this angel and this demon is just so delightful. It's very funny. These two actors are amazing. So I really enjoyed it. I did not really think I'd be into it. as much as I love Neil Gaiman I, and I'm a big fan. I just didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did, and I've never read the book. Sorry, this is a book I haven't read. Um, I thought, I swear to God, I thought you said it. Neil Diamond. And I was like, did what I, is she talking about? Did I say Neil Diamond? No, I said Neil Diamond. That's just, just what I heard. <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand why she's talking about Neil Diamond right now. <laughs> do, 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 do. I wrote a book when I wasn't on tour in Vegas. I am, I cried. Oh, yeah, I'm multi-talented. All the ladies love me. And yeah, Neil Diamond. He looks amazing in tight pants and he wrote a book. So that is what I'm watching. All cool. right. Next up, Joshy's What's favorite. Next? What are you reading? Oh, okay. I wanted to take I wanted to take a moment here, Carrie, if okay. we can if we can just be serious for a second. Real serious. I wanted to talk about why I don't read. Oh. Okay? I, I feel like these past episodes that I'm I'm coming off as sort of adult. Just some dunder-headed moron that never reads anything because why bother? I use books to the wipe case. my butt and build fires. Right. They're good for both of those, but that's besides <laughs> the point. There is a reason that I don't read anymore, and I would like to share this reason, and this will be my segment here. I'm, I'm not reading anything, is the point. But the reason I don't read, uh, I used to read. I used to read quite a bit. I would say an average amount. I, I was not a, a book uh, worm, but um, I got close to wormish at some point in my youth, but uh, I, I never really hit the worm, the bookworm totem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I used to read a lot of fantasy, um, you know, and I read a lot. I, I have a child, I, you know, she was little at one point, and we read a lot. We read all the the children fantasy stuff, the Spiderwick Chronicles and the unfortunate events, the Lemony Snickets and the Harry Potters. And um, and then I would read in my own time the more adult fantasy stuff, the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbits. And I got into a series called The Wheel of Time mm-hmm. by Robert Jordan. Um, I remember this. Yeah. Now, The Wheel of Time, book one of The Wheel of Time was about I don't know, 900 pages, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Read book one, loved book one, loved it, right? So I was like, oh, there's more. There's more to this. Book two, okay. Book two, mm-hmm. a little bigger. Mm-hmm. About, well, about a thousand, 1,100 pages, somewhere in there. <laughs> and then I kept reading these books because they kept going. 
and I got up to, I believe, book eight. I want to say I got to, through book eight of the Wheel of Time series. 8,000 pages. <laughs> it was giant. I mean, these books were like, you ever see those, those like giant dictionaries at a library? Yes. They're like two feet wide <laughs> by <laughs> three feet tall. Yeah, you need like a it special takes, like, instrument. You need a librarian to, to help you open it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You like open it. You like open up to where you want to go, and some other kid would jump out because he's just been in there. <laughs> I've been lost in there for three yeah. years. <laughs> Thanks, Mister. <laughs> they they were like that. Like they were they were literally like a hundred page just glossaries in the backs of these books that you would have to go in because you would forget about all these characters and species and like. <laughs> Sword names, swords, and names of horses, and names everything, and wow. so there you would have to read that, and and so I got through eight of these, and there was more, and he died, the author died, and I was so heartbroken that I put all this time and energy into these books, and I wasn't going to ha- see them finished. Now they did actually finish the books, and I've heard that they're really good. Um, like some other author picked up yeah. some other fan- well-known fantasy author. If I had the name with me, I'd say it, but I don't. I don't know it. Okay. Um, he finished it, but I couldn't. I just couldn't do it anymore. And then by the time that I even wanted to maybe start the next book, I had yeah. forgotten so much. It was like, and I'm, I'm sure as hell not going to start over on this quest. Not going to do it. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what? The hell with it. I'm a visual person. Everything's coming to TV eventually. I'll just wait until it comes on TV. And guess what, Carrie? It's coming to TV. Wheel of Time Wheel is? Time's, Wheel of Time series is coming to TV. I believe it's an Amazon. Uh, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. You I should are... be sure about these things before I talk about them. But I'm not sure. But I know that it is uh, greenlit for uh-huh. production. Yes. Wow. So I will wait now and see how that goes, and hopefully it ends better than Thrones. But that's just my opinion. You're like a you're like a book widow. You're like an author. Yeah, I was hurt, widow. and then yeah, I don't want to go through that pain again. Yeah, it's like you don't want to fall in love again. Aww. What if I start reading Game of Thrones and George R. R. Martin dies before he finishes? And I Dan mean, and Dave has... start and finish the rest of the books. One book left, right? He's got one book left. Two. Oh, Winter two. Winter Winter is still not out, and then there's the Dreams of oh. Spring come out sometime after that. Oh, the guy's like a hundred years old. I, he's like a hobbit. He'll probably live for a long I don't time. Think but he's a hundred. <laughs> he's what? George R. Martin. No, I don't I, think I, he's a hundred. Pretty sure he's like a hundred. Yeah, he's a hundred because <laughs> he just had his hundred and eleventieth birthday. We're going to look him up right now, and he's going to be sixty. <laughs> You're like, what is he, like a hundred? The suspenders and beard add like 50 years. I guess they do. Every strand adds like another month onto your fucking life. I never knew that that was, uh, that it was such a um, tough subject for you. And it I'm, was very I'm traumatizing. S- and that's why I don't read. And that's so why I, I just sorry. want everybody, all of the listeners, uh, <laughs> to know that I'm not just a thumb. Okay. You're a heartbroken I got a brain. man. Yeah. I got a brain. I just, it's just my brain got hurt. Yeah, a brain and a fantasy writer, and now I don't know how to love again. Yeah, I understand. I'm sorry I've been so flippant about it. That's what I'm reading, Carrie. That's what I'm reading. Heartbreak, a broken heart. That's what you're reading. The letters on your heart from a man that will never be able to touch you through words again. There and never again. There and never back again. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, really sorry to hear that. Um, Fine. All right. What are you reading? I want to um, know. Yeah. So I did not read something that will appeal to the masses. I apologize. I read um, a book called Flamenco, The Art of Flamenco, Its History and Development Ugh. Until Our Days. It's by Barbara Thiel Kramer. I read it because I've been taking flamenco dance classes for about a year. Oh, flamenco the dance. Yes. I you meant the stupid bird. No. I know you're terrified of birds. Why would I do that to you, Josh? Why would I bring up such a traumatizing so Freddy Krueger-esque? I'm not scared of them. They're just stupid. You're terrified of large birds. Yeah, so, flamencos aren't that big, though. Yeah, I just know one day you're going to wrestle an ostrich. That's probably going to be how you die. So... This particular book would not appeal to everyone. I understand that. But when you're taking flamenco, uh, I kind of felt like a dullard that I had been taking, you know, something that has nothing to do with my culture or my history for a year. And I really know so little about it. So this is about the history of flamenco. It was very interesting. You know, the gypsies basically traveled to what would be Spain. Flamenco survived through the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, it basically comes from the people who were treated like second-class citizens who were forced to live in only certain areas, you know, where they were not treated very well. Um, and then Spain eventually was like, oh, well, this is great. And they started paying to see it, although very little. And then they basically just adopted it and called it Spanish. So <laughs> there's flamenco. They were good at that. So that is, that's all, folks, for that. And then we have uh, the last on the docket is what are you listening to musica musica um i listen i i found uh this band um through i listened to a lot of reaction videos i don't know why it, hmm. I, I just started getting into them um but I, I i found this band through a reaction channel um mm -hmm. uh, it was this band called ginger j-i-n-j-e-r hmm. uh, have you ever heard of this band no Oh, I can't wait for you to listen to this band. J-I-N? J-I-N? Yep. Ginger. J -I -N. Like a, yeah, but with a J. Um, Ginger is a, they, I think they are a, I think they're from, U they're from the Ukraine? Yes. They're a Ukrainian metal band. Uh, they're like death metal. Uh, huh. Like new metal, new metal. I don't know what... I don't know what you call it. I'm not. Uh, I'm not into metal like I used to be. But so there's all kinds of subgenres, and I don't want to piss anybody off um, by just saying that it's the wrong thing. But to me, it's death metal, right? Because it's like the. But the interesting thing about it, um, or what sets them apart, I would say, is that the lead singer um, has this beautiful. It's a she, and she has this um, beautiful uh, melodic tone that's just it's just amazing she's a wonderful singer huh. but then all of a sudden when you're not ready she does a <laughs> sneaks it up there they're fantastic though huh. um, as far as it, just the energy the, the musicality everything is everything is great uh, and if you haven't seen them please people you just watch the one video, you will not understand what you are watching. It's fantastic. <laughs> Ginger with a J. Uh, I'm going to be annoying and um, talk about something I've already talked about, but listen, listen. Uh, so I listened to, you all know that I love Not 97. It's just um, an amazing podcast. 
season five is really just turning out to be one of their best. And now that I've listened to some older seasons, I've decided, I've attributed this to the fact that they have way more women on. And the women are killing it. They're just bringing good shit. And the dudes are really up in their game. Um, so I listened recently to season five, five episode five. Uh, this features Regina Cho, in case, you know, you want to find it. And this whole freaking show, every single pick was so good. So good. So a couple of the picks that are on there, they had a Chicago-based artist called Brittany Carter. Fan-fucking-tastic. They have an English band called Alaska, Alaska. It was so good. And then they also had um, a woman based out of Boston who goes by Cyril. And that was absolutely fantastic. And that's not even all of them. Every single pick was so good. So a huge applause to you, Not97, because you're, I mean, like, you've killed YouTube for me. Now, sometimes when I listen to YouTube, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't, I'm just, I don't want to hear this. I want to hear something I've never heard before that's going to be amazing. And boom, Not97 always does right by me. Next pick, or next, uh, next episode. Do you remember what our uh, genre is? No idea. No idea. <laughs> next genre coming out in two weeks from today is going to be society and culture oh i'm a part of that all right let's get out of here all right y'all we will talk to you in two weeks until then we bid you adieu cue outro music No need to talk about